This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Hi, I just want to welcome everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. This is Alana Willy for you, and you are with Body Matters, and I will be your host for the next hour. Today, I unfortunately don't have a guest with me, but today I've got a really interesting topic. And the topic I'm going to talk about is God is a jealous God. Now, really think about it, God being jealous. Yes, God is a jealous God. And I want to chat a little bit about that and how easily we as humans can make idols of things in our lives. But I want to start off by reading Exodus 24 to 6. And it says, You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So that's such a powerful scripture if we read that. And so if we talk about idols, and I I now want to bring this into the whole concept of God being a jealous God. Let's look at what could be an idol, you know, in my life or your life. Many of us may have idols in our lives without being aware of it. So what is your idol? Your idol may be so easily um, identified. And sometimes, you know, the idols in our lives can be so subtle and we don't even know that we are making idols of things. You know, sometimes it could be a state of mind, the thoughts we choose to focus on instead of um, spending time with God or the things that we spend the most time with. You know, sometimes we find our identities in things and places and what we do, but not always in God. And it is um, sometimes unusual things that we place our identities in instead of God. And the one thing that the enemy wants to do is to steal our identity in Christ and our God-given purpose. And you know what? He will distract us and keep us busy with worldly things that gives us a false sense of identity. So let's take a short music break and then we're going to come back to looking at what are those things that could be possible idols in your and my life, in our everyday lives. Welcome back. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, this is Alana Willifee with my program called Body Matters. And I'm talking about the topic of God being a jealous God and how we as um, individuals can sometimes, you know, have our own idols in our lives, things that we focus on more than what we focus on God. And 
And I just want to just name a few examples of things that, you know, it could be so subtle. We don't even sometimes realize that we make um, idols or we have idols. So let's look at anything that consumes us that could become an idol. You know that anything that consumes your mind, that consumes your time, that replaces that which that time that you could have spent with God, anything could be an idol. So let's look at some some examples. You know, some people are obsessed with being fit or eating healthy. And anything that is out of balance, anything, it could be anything that you do can become an obsession. And you know what? Any obsession is not from God. You know, what is the motivation or fear behind your activities? And I just want to leave you with a a few questions and a few examples. Maybe you can reflect on your own life and say, you know what, maybe. You know, I um, I had a a friend or someone that I knew who... um, you know, they were, she she ran marathons and she did a lot of things and she, she wasn't well. But it didn't stop her from going out and, um, you know, running and doing things. And at one point, um, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, but that has become an obsession in that person's life. And I had to ask her the question and it was hard. Is running an obsession in your life? You know, there's a need to to have to do it, a need to eat healthy. You, you make that thing an obsession, you know. And, you know, sometimes we need to look at the motivation or the fear behind why we do the things we do. You know, it could be relying on others to fulfill our emotional needs or happiness. You know, sometimes we forget God being our first love. And we look at our spouses, we look at people, other people's recognition, other people's, um, um, you know, their acceptance, you know, to, to make us feel great. And when these things are not maintained, when they don't give us the attention that we need, if they don't make us feel happy, if they don't make us feel good, we tend to fall apart or become an emotional wreck. This is when our dependency is on someone or something other than God. So think about your life. Are you relying on someone else to make you feel good? Um, trying to win their acceptance and not God's acceptance. You know that man will always fail us, but God will never fail us. You know, sometimes as mothers, our children could be our idols. You know, once again, there's nothing wrong with being a good parent. But when our lives are consumed and rooted in our children, their activities, our children actually can become idols in our lives. You know, we set time apart for them, but we don't set time apart for God. And sometimes there are many parents, and I know it's hard to hear, who want to live their own unfulfilled dreams through their children. And they put expectations on their children to perform or to excel. And I know I've, I've had a friend who's, whose daughter excelled in everything. And when the daughter um, wasn't chosen to be a, a, a prefect or something, her life fell apart. The mother 
But the daughter was fine. She was like, Mom, I'm okay. It doesn't matter. And you see that disappointment when we want to live our dreams are through our children because our identity is rooted in how well our children do. You know, how well they excel in, in, in things because we take the credit for it subconsciously. And because our own identity and self-worth is dependent on our children's success. And that is not God's heart. I've seen many, many parents push their children in doing things, you know, and, and all they can talk about is their children's accomplishments as if it is their own. And that could become an idol. And I know it's not it's not nice to hear, but sometimes God just wants to to show you, you know, we get caught up in things in our lives that we don't even know. It's so subtle that we don't even know we're falling into those things. You know, many men or women may place their identity in their work. And, you know, work is not a sin. To be good at what you do is not a sin. But again, the motivation for working hard or spending long hours working can become an idol. You know, there are many people that, um, you know, feel that they have to prove themselves to other people. They need to be successful. They need to prove it to their father or someone who said, you know, you'll never accomplish anything. And I know I'm talking about a lot of things and I might be be touching on things in your own life. But sometimes we need to sit back and say, why? What is the motivation? What is my heart's motivation to work long hours? To spend more time maybe at work than with your own family? To be successful, you know, your identity can be rooted in being, as I said, rich or successful. You know, are you trying to gain others' approval? Do you need uh, someone to pat you on the back and say, well done, you have made it in life. Sometimes we put all our efforts in something that we can never take with us to heaven you know, there's so many people that said, you know, on their deathbed, if only they spent more time with the people they loved instead of working so hard. You know, we can't take our riches with us to heaven. And sometimes the approval that you want from other people from being successful um, are the people that don't really even care about you. You know, there's people out there, but when, when they don't see you out of sight, out of mind, but the people who love you, the people, your family, your children who need you the most, those are the ones who love you. And it's their approval that you need more. And, you know, I'm just speaking <laughs> randomly now as, as God is laying this on my heart. You know, um, there's a time and a place for everything and everything that's out of balance can become your idol. You know, there's many rich people and they put their confidence in their money. And, you know, you cannot put confidence in money. It's false security. You know, they forget that God is the one that gave them the ability to become rich. And I just want to read Deuteronomy 8, 18, which says, But remember the Lord your God, for He is the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, 
which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You know, without God, you would not have um, the ability to create wealth. So rather give honor to God who is able to, to keep you healthy and alive, who gave you the skill, who gave you the knowledge, the wisdom, who put you together and created you. Give him all honor and glory. Don't put your um, security in wealth. You see, we can't place our trust in wealth or our success without acknowledging that God is our provider and our source. You know, God can rip that carpet right underneath us and riches can't buy health or a ticket to heaven. You can't pay God even to live longer. And that is the truth. Let's read Proverbs 11, 4, that says, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. It's better to be in right standing with God. It's better to put your trust in Him. You see, many rich people place their identities in their wealth. But what happens when their riches are taken away from them? Who are they then? Their identities should have been in the Creator and not the creation. And Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Okay, so we're talking about idols. You know, what can become an idol? Anything that consumes us, anything that takes the place of God, anything where we find our identity in besides Jesus Christ is an idol. You know, our achievements is an idol, could be an idol. You know, when we become good at something, you know, maybe we're a good runner, gymnast, or a good salesperson, or top achiever, whatever, um, or even at school, first first in your class, first in everything, you know, whatever you achieve, it could become your identity. And your identity can be associated with your success. You know, sometimes it defines who you are. And that's wrong. When our accomplishments define who we are instead of who we are in Christ, then we've gone off track. You see, we have to work hard to maintain. Did you ever know that when you accomplish something, you get all the recognition for it? But you know how hard you have to work to maintain that success, to keep getting that recognition? And that recognition can become your driving force that you keep on working because you need to stay on top of things. Because if you don't, if you don't achieve anymore, if you're not top of your class anymore, if you're not in the first team, if you're not the sales person of the year, then what? Then who are you? Sometimes we can get caught up in so many different things. You know, there's some people that thrive on compliments and recognition, and that feeling becomes an addiction. You know, we can become addiction, addicted sorry, to other people's approval. We'll do anything to please them, whether that's right or wrong. We will do anything to satisfy that desire to be acknowledged. And we can become enslaved to pleasing others and finding our identity in what others think of us instead of what God thinks of us. 
And these are just a few examples um, of how we can become enslaved to the things of this world. How easily those things that you, you know, you, you consume yourself with can draw you slowly but surely away from God. You know, idolatry is a form of self-righteousness. It is rooted in a lie. And in other words, it's a lie that causes us to base our success and achievements in our own abilities or find satisfaction in what the world has to offer instead of God. And I want to read that again. Okay, so idolatry is a form of self-righteousness. Why self-righteousness? I don't put my trust in God, I put it in myself. And that is a lie. In other words, it's a lie that causes us to base our success and achievements in our own abilities. And we find satisfaction in what the world has to offer instead of God. We put our trust in humans and our own human ability that does not bring true satisfaction. We become slaves to our own actions. And in Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6, it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in posh places of the desert, in salt land where no one lives. You see, in the world today, there are so many obvious sins. There are obvious sins. There's people who who kill, murder, steal. But sometimes we are not always aware of the subtle sin that creeps into our hearts. You know, it's those things, those hidden things, those motivations. Sometimes we don't even know that we are, um, you know, placing our trust elsewhere in our own abilities, in our own strength. You know, we, we become consumed by the world. And the Bible says, do not um, conform to the um, patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know his good, acceptable and perfect will for your life. So coming back to the subtle sins, the things that pull us away from God, as Christians, we mustn't be deceived. Always consider the motivation of your action, and you will then be able to discern if it's from God or not. You know, sometimes we want to do things. We want to um, maybe take that job instead of this job. Why? Because maybe this job um, will make us look better. Um, Maybe, you know, for whatever the reasons are, you know, if it's there to please someone else, if it's there to, to brag or to promote yourself, and it's not the will of God, then you are stepping into your own will. Um, In Matthew 6.21, it says, your treasure lies where your heart is. You know, the word says our hearts are deceitful above all else. You know, we we, want to do something which looks good, but the motivation for doing it is not good. And if you really want to make a good decision, 
then you need to know and really look back and look at your heart and see what is the motivation for me to want to do it. What is it really that I want out of this? You know, sometimes we know what we are doing is wrong and we try to justify our sins instead of turning away from it. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. It says here, pride in our achievements and possessions. That was That is what the world has to offer. You see, when we operate in our own strength, we are in danger of falling into pride. And pride is an attitude of independency from God, where we are not dependent on God. And James 4, 6 says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And another scripture in Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, pride comes before destruction and a haunty spirit before a fall. Therefore, in everything that we do, we need to acknowledge God. And I just want to take you back to our topic of idols in our lives. And I said, idol doesn't have to be a specific um, statue that we belong to or anything. The idols could be the things in our lives, those things that consume us, those things that we take pride in, those things that we accomplish. And, you know, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to thrive. He wants the best for us. But what is the motive? If the motive is to get recognition, if the motive is to be rich, if the motive is other than what God has for you, then that's wrong. You know, there's some people who have to run. They have to eat healthy. They have certain rituals. And where the Spirit of the the Lord is, there's freedom. See, therefore, in everything that we do, everything, whether it is raising your children, whether it's being a mom, whether it means that you want to go and work somewhere, whether it means in your workplace, whether it is in your social life, in your entertainment, whatever, it says, therefore, in everything we do, we must acknowledge God. Proverbs 3, 6, 8 says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You know, as Christians, our identity is rooted in the fact that we are the sons and the daughters of the living God. We were never meant to base our identity on worldly achievements or in the things that we do. God is not interested in what you do. He's interested in you believing in him. You see, we are children of the truth and know that in our own strength and abilities, we are not capable of achieving anything. You know, without God, you cannot do anything. And if you do it without God, if you want to do something in your own strength, in your own way, that's fine. You can do it. But it will never work out the way God intended it to work out. 
In 2 Corinthians 12, 5, it says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. It says we can only boast in God in our own human strength. We are weak. We are sinners. Each one of us, even though we belong to Jesus Christ, it says in his word, we all fall short of God's glory. And yes, you can do your own thing in your own strength. You can, um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, it will crash. It will not be successful. Because it says here, you know, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. I mean, how many of us want to succeed in life? How many of us want to know we're making the right choices? So in whatever we do, we need to acknowledge him. You know, often the Lord removes things from our lives that we place our identities in, in order to redirect us towards him. You know, whatever you're making a God of, whether it's, it could be anything. And I know I'm just using these as examples like running and eating healthy and all of that. All of that's great. But when you can't do without it, when it becomes an obsession, when it becomes out of balance, when it replaces your trust in God, where you're putting your trust in, in food to keep you healthy, but instead of the word of God, you know, I mean, I know of people who were healthy, would run, who would eat health foods, they were obsessed with eating healthy, but they never lived long. You see, life and death is in God's hands. He knows your timing. We cannot put our trust in worldly things, only in God, because God is the only secure thing that we have. He's secure. Everything else is going to fall. Nothing, nothing can, can give us what God can give us. And I believe that we should live balanced lives. Anything in extreme is not good for us. It is not that the Lord doesn't want us to be successful or to be good at what we do. In fact, it is quite the opposite. He wants us to flourish. And he wants us, as I said, commit to the Lord. Whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Why? When we work with God, we can't take credit for anything that we do, but instead give him all the honor and the glory. And it says, apart from God, everything we do is meaningless. In John 15, 5, it says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you cannot do anything. So without God, we'll never be truly satisfied. So let's take a break, a music break, and then we'll come back. And let's just touch then on God being a jealous God. Welcome back to Body Matters. You're with Alana Willifew. And I am chatting about God being a jealous God. And we just um, ended off with um, saying without God, we can never be truly satisfied. And talking about the possible idols, you know, the things in our lives, the things that consume us, the things that replace God in our lives. You know, it's so subtle. Sometimes we don't always realize what our idols are. But sometimes it's just 
God again saying, what is that thing that is replacing me in your life? What are you so busy with that you have forgotten about me? And so God is a jealous God. And I just want to end this last section off by just reading a few scriptures um, about God being a jealous God. Let me start with Exodus 24 to 6. And I, I read that right at the beginning, but I'm going to just repeat it again. It says, you shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And those are, God is saying, don't bow to anything else. And here it talks about the carved images, like the, the, um, you know, the Israelites when they were in in the desert, in the wilderness, they made themselves carved images. And I know even coming back, so I'm thinking, I know in Isaiah somewhere it says, um, talks about you you take the trees out of the forest, you carve them out, and then you worship them. And it's like taking God's creation instead of worshiping the creator you worship the creation why not worship the creator of all creations um, and I think that's also in Romans 1 um, you can read about that and if we read Exodus thirty-four fourteen, it says for you shall worship no other gods for the Lord his name is jealous for the Lord's name is jealous he is a jealous God and in it says here in Numbers twenty five eleven, Phineas the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Here we talk again about God talking about he, um, his jealousy. And for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. That's in Deuteronomy 4.24. There's so many scriptures referring to God as being a jealous God. Why is he a jealous God? Because he created us. He made us to fellowship with him. And everything else is a creation. Why worship the creation? Why worship God's creation when you can worship God the creator and it says here also you shall not go after other gods any of the gods of the peoples who are around you for the Lord your God is in the midst is is a jealous God least the anger of the Lord God um, be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth and that's also in Deuteronomy 6. And another one is they stirred him to jealousy with strange gods, with abominations that provoked him to anger. It says, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. So there's so many references to God being a jealous God. 
It says in Psalm 78, 58, for they provoked him to anger. With their high places, they moved him to jealousy with their idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I'll restore the fortunes of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And I will be jealous for my holy name. You see, God is a jealous God. He made us. He loves us. He created us for fellowship. And I think it saddens God's heart when we we take our, our eyes off Him. We place it on on things, on people, on His creation, and not who He is. And here's another one. He says, And He put out the form of a hand and took me by a lock of my head. And the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven, that's Ezekiel, and brought me in a vision of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. The Israelites had placed an idol of some sort at the entrance to the north gate of the temple. Literally, it reads, the jealousy that provokes jealousy. A reference to the passion that the, this talks about God's heart. And the Lord says, look at the abomination statue which draws away the hearts of my people. They are loving it and not me. They were bowing down to it but not me, and I am red hot with jealousy, for I will not stand for anything or anyone to come between me and the devotion of my bride. You see, God is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Why do we put our trust in man? Why do we fear man? You know, it's a serious matter to, um, you know, to God that we, we love him. Paul comes straight to the point. He says, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? For people to sit both at a table of demons and the table of the Lord, for people to walk in idolatry, whatever form it might take, and then to partake of the Lord's Supper, will only serve to stroke the fires of jealousy in God's already burning heart. You see, idolatry is not just a carved image. It can take place in so many different ways, as I said. It could be even what consumes our minds. Anything other than God that consumes our minds. For what then is God jealous God is most jealous for his own glory, fame, and honor. God desires above all else that his name be preserved and promoted, and he will act quickly and powerfully to vindicate his glory. I don't know if you, many of you know the story um, of Isaiah. And I, I'm just briefly going to share the story just off the heart, not, not even just through the Bible, which I don't have here in front of me, but just about Hosea. And this just came to mind now as I'm, as I'm chatting to you. You know, we, Hosea married, you know, the, the, the prostitute. And, and I know redeeming love, 
and um, Francine Rivers wrote that book too. And where she goes off, she marries him. God tells us how to marry this woman. And then she goes off and she... She she goes to the brothel and she runs away and God says to her, go and get her back again. And he goes and he gets her back and then she runs off again. And, you know, and God says to love her. Isaiah needs to love her. And God basically through this story, which is such a powerful story, really we are seen as the unfaithful bride. You know, we're always going to do things. We're not as faithful, but God is Hosea. God is represented through Hosea as always being a faithful God. You know, God is faithful. He's true to his word. He's true to his promises. He will never fail us. You know, he's the one constant thing, the one true thing, the one real thing. In our lives, he is the creator, the king of kings, the lord of lords. You know, this world will pass and everything in it, people will fail us. Everything will soon pass, but not the word of God. The word of God will stand true because God is faithful, even when we are unfaithful. So my heart for you today is, you know, evaluate how you spend your time. Where is your attention needed the most? What is the things that need to be cut out of your life? I feel there are certain things that you need to let go of. There's certain things in your life that you need to bring back in balance again. And how can you reschedule your time with God? Maybe even your time, not just with God, but your family. And sometimes there are important aspects in your life that you need to really sit back and say, am I paying attention to these things? You know, sometimes we get so caught up in the busyness of life and we don't always sit with our children. We don't sit and listen to them. And I know I've got four kids. I'm guilty. Sometimes it's like you switch off. Sometimes my children call me Alana because when they say mommy, it's like a filter. Sometimes we need to sit back and say, Lord, I'm sorry for being so busy. I'm sorry for being consumed with either my problems, with my situation, with work. I'm sorry for the things that I have placed my, thrown my life into it. You know what? Those things are not important. At the end of the day, those things are not important. We need to get back to God firstly. We need to get that order back again. Do we spend time with our husbands? Do we spend time with our children? Where are we placing our time? But first and most of all, with Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need to cut off people in our lives that has a bad influence, that draws us away from God. Bad, bad you know, bad crowd brings bad influence. It corrupts you. Sometimes you need to let go of a friendship. Sometimes you need to stand up for yourself. Sometimes you need to say no. 
So wherever you find yourself today, my heart for you is to go back to God. Ask him to show you if there's any idols in your life. Is there anything in your life that you are replacing him with? Anything that's consuming you, whether that's a state of mind, it could be in any way. Sometimes God will even show us things we thought, oh no, how can it be? Yes, it can be. It can be. Your husband can be your idol. Your children can be it. But God wants us to come to him because he's a jealous God. So I just want to end off and I just want to pray for you this um, this day. And I just want to say, God, I thank you for every person that is listening today. And I pray, Lord, that you will really minister to their hearts. Lord, that they will evaluate where they are. What are the things that are consuming them other than you, Father? What are the things that they are so out of balance in their lives with, Father? Show them, Lord. Touch their hearts. Bring them back in alignment with you, with your word. Father, with the things that are important to your kingdom and for you, Lord. So bless them this day, Father. Minister to their hearts. Cover them with your blood. Protect them, Father God. Keep them safe today in the palm of your hands. Give them wisdom and let your truth set them free in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this program, if it ministered to your heart, I'm so glad. Um, tune in again with me next Saturday at the same time. From me, Alana Willie, for you. Have a beautiful and blessed week. Bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.